Summer's End. A Good Omens Podfic, written by Feral Tuxedo and read by Literarian. Chapter 2 Tomatoes and Catnip Aziraphale didn't like this part of his job. It wasn't even that he minded rejections in general. Oh no, he had no problems rejecting people. Couldn't afford to have a problem with it. After all, his livelihood depended on his good judgment on saying no to men who gave him the creeps. The untrustworthy ones. He was very good at saying no, and he always knew where his switchblade was. The problem with rejecting Crowley was that he was everything but untrustworthy. He should have been, really. Carrying around the kind of money that could only be made from... Not crime, that was very much an academic concept these days, but from shady business. Crowley's confidence was unnatural. He carried himself as if the world couldn't hurt him, and that was, frankly, madness. No one was untouchable. Unturnable. Perhaps he carried a gun. He probably did. And then, in the flicker of a moment, the confidence was gone and he turned into an anxious mess of nerves. Both sides seemed so utterly incompatible. But despite all this, despite everything that screamed that this man could not be trusted, Aziraphale simply couldn't help but do so. He'd left him alone in his van, after all, and returned to all of his possessions still in place. He desperately wanted to say yes when Crowley asked to stay. Don't you want to get to Scotland? he asked, watching him pick up his clothes from the other end of the bed. Crowley gave a one-shouldered shrug, his eyes inscrutable. There's nothing for me there. Except safety and society and opportunity. No demons in all of Inverness, if the rumors are true. Imagine walking around at night without having to worry. I can handle the demons just fine. Famous last words. That made Crowley laugh. He pulled his black t-shirt back on and retied his ponytail. It's just, you're the first person I've met since I set off who actually seems to, I don't know, not hate everything. Life. Oh. It was a strange compliment, but Aziraphale supposed it was one. Why would I hate life? You live in a caravan and sell your body for a living. Most would not consider that an ideal situation. Aziraphale huffed and reached for his trousers. My caravan is lovely and I most certainly do not sell my body for a living. I sell a service. 
which you have so far paid for twice, so it's a bit rich of you to be judging. Oh, fuck, it's not what I meant. I'm so sorry. He looked so miserable at the thought of having offended Hazi Raphael that he let it slide. What did you mean then? Your books, yesterday. My books? You really love them, could feel it when you showed them to me, and I just... Fuck, I just wanted to stay around that love a little longer, that's all. It's pathetic, I know. It was so earnest and honest and vulnerable. Any response would have been trite. And so Aziraphale said nothing. They finished getting dressed in silence. Crowley couldn't hear the internal argument occupying Aziraphale's head, but by the time they'd both tied their shoelaces, he'd made up his mind. He took his washbag and draped his towel over one arm. I want to show you something. Crowley's entire face lit up. Oh? Outside. He walked up to the door and opened it. The midday sun had warmed the air, made it thick and oppressive. Aziraphale picked up his straw hat from a hook by the door and put it on before stepping outside. Crowley followed, and Aziraphale noticed that he left his camel backpack behind inside. So careless! He couldn't know that Aziraphale wasn't going to bludgeon him to death in the bushes just to take his possessions. In that regard, he was no better than Aziraphale himself. Too trusting. But he had no intention of murdering anyone. Instead, he took him to his garden. Down the path and through the thickets and beyond the gate. The stream glittered in the sunlight like a diamond and Aziraphale longed to submerge himself in it. Crowley took it all in with his mouth open. This is yours. Aziraphale shrugged. As much as land can belong to any one person, but yes, I'm the only one who knows about this place. And you know, conveniently hidden from the road, you see. The stream trickles down into some sort of underground cave further down the hill. Did you plant all these? Crowley indicated the trees. The fig, the cherry, the pear, and the one that Aziraphale wasn't quite sure what it was, but it certainly bore no edible fruit. Oh no, they must have been here for decades. I think there used to be a house somewhere over there. He pointed at the space between the stream and the nearest vegetable bed. The ground's all weird there, but whatever structure was once here is long gone. Only these trees survived and the grapevines along the fence. The previous owner of the caravan grew some crops here as well, and I planted the rest. Crowley wandered over to the vegetable bed and sank into a crouch next to the tomatoes. 
not very well. I beg your pardon? I said not very well. He cupped one grain tomato in his hand, lifting it up as if to relieve the vine from which it hung of its burden. Poor thing needs staking, and they've got no shade here whatsoever. Aziraphale crossed his arms. I haven't gotten round to staking them yet, and tomatoes like the sun. My gardening book says so. And when was your gardening book written? A hundred years ago, when we had nice, mild summers that lasted three months instead of five? Cloudy days and just enough sunlight for a tomato to ripen, rather than cook on the vine? Nah, these babies want to be over there. He pointed towards the grapes. See, there they'd still get plenty of sun, but they're shaded from the south by the fence, so during the worst hours they catch a bit of a break. Aziraphale didn't ask how on earth Crowley knew where the south was. Look, if you're only going to insult my tomatoes... Crowley stood up in a flash. No, fuck, sorry again. I'm really putting my foot in it, aren't I? Shit, been away from people for too long. That's quite all right. And it was. Aziraphale walked over to where Crowley was standing, taking in the garden with great interest, just as he'd taken in the books the previous day. Listen, Crowley. I need to wash now and then get back to the van. I expect there'll be more people dropping by. You know, clients. But if you want, you can stay here for a bit before you set off again. Sit under the cherry or have a little splash in the stream. Crowley looked at him with his eyes wide open and his lips ever so slightly parted. Aziraphale took a few tentative steps towards the scream, then turned around. Crowley was still staring at him. Would you mind turning around while I get in? I've seen you naked. Yes, you paid to have sex with me, but you didn't pay to watch me bathe. So, if you wouldn't mind... Crowley stammered another apology and not only turned around, but walked right off to the other end of the garden, where Aziraphale knew he would discover his failed attempts at growing bell peppers. But he didn't have time to dwell. He took his clothes off and stepped into the stream for the second time that day. Then he waded all the way to where the water was deepest and cleaned all traces of Crowley off his body. When he was dressed again, his damp hair curling at the nape of his neck, he found his guest kneeling in the herb garden, sniffing some leaves he'd picked off a plant. Got a cat? Aziraphale frowned. No. There are strays around here, but they're not mine. Why? Crowley popped one of the leaves in his mouth. Catnip. 
Bit of a strange thing to grow unless you want to attract cats, that's all. Oh, I didn't know that's what that is. Crowley looked at him with a raised-eyebrowed smile, like he was trying hard to hold back another insult. Aziraphale felt a pang of embarrassment, just like he had in Anathema's shop the previous day. He nearly regretted showing Crowley the garden in the first place. Right, I'm off back to the van. You've still got your backpack in there, but if I have a client, you'll have to wait until they're gone, I'm afraid. Crowley nodded and looked down at his feet. He was oddly sweet when he was flustered like that. Aziraphale began to walk up the hill to the garden gate. Wait! Crowley shouted after him. How do I know if you have a client? Aziraphale turned around, savouring the opportunity to tease just a little. Don't worry, you'll be able to hear. I'm rather good at what I do and those windows aren't exactly soundproof. There was indeed a client waiting for him outside the van when he got there. A broad-backed gentleman with grey hair and the exhausted air of someone who'd been on the road for much too long. Where have you come from? Aziraphale asked as he unlocked the door. Canterbury. Good gracious, that's a long way. You look like you could do with a break. Come on in, let me take your mind off things. The man was very grateful indeed for the distraction. By the time he left again, it was with a spring in his step and a smile playing around his features that made him look ten years younger. Aziraphale wished him all the best and he wished it with all his heart. As soon as the man had pushed his bike up the path towards the road, Crowley emerged from behind a tree, casual, as if he hadn't just been hiding like a child playing a game. He sauntered towards Aziraphale, all swinging hips and barely concealed insecurities. Good client. He was, thank you. Aziraphale had his eyes fixed on the road, where the client had just cycled off towards the M40. Come to get your stuff now? You really should be heading off if you don't want to spend another night in Tatfield, though I'm sure Tracy wouldn't mind. Yeah, about that. Crowley stuck his hands in his pockets and bit his lip. Aziraphale took a deep breath. Listen, if you're about to ask if you can stay again, you will be disappointed. And trust me when I say that I don't enjoy disappointing lovely young men like yourself. Crowley shook his head. Lovely young men like myself. Has anyone ever told you you sound like an old book? Yes, unsurprisingly, you're not the first to make that observation. 
What do you expect? I spent most of my time with old books. Either that or a cock in my mouth, and that doesn't exactly make for great conversation. Crowley spluttered in that precious, awkward way he had done earlier in the garden. Then he drew himself up and frowned, suddenly serious. Aziraphale, your garden is shit. Now it was Aziraphale's turn to be flustered. He was just about to object, but Crowley raised a hand. Hear me out. Your vegetable patch is pathetic. You couldn't have planted your peppers in a worse location. I've already told you about the tomatoes. Your courgettes are currently being devoured by bugs, so you can forget them for this year's harvest. Your herb garden is being taken over by weeds. Your grapes are seriously neglected. If that garden is your survival strategy for the summer, you're fucked. Just like he'd been last year. But the cherry... The cherry's fine, but you can't live off cherries for the entire summer. Why are you telling me this? I want to suggest a trade. An arrangement, if you will. I sort out your garden, make it actually work. Weeding, replanting where possible, getting rid of the pests. And in exchange, you want to fuck me? No! Ugh! It's not about that. What is it about then, Crowley? Because as far as I can tell, you showed up here yesterday and are refusing to leave even after I told you no twice. In my line of work, we call that stalking. That shut him up all right. He hung his head and let out a bitter laugh. <laughs> Fuck, you're right. I'm imposing. I'm sorry. It's been a while since I last... I just forgot how to, you know, not be a creep. I'll get my things. Aziraphale stepped aside to let Crowley into the van, and he emerged a few seconds later with his backpack clasped under one arm. Your garden really is shit, though. He pulled a folded piece of paper and a tiny pencil nub out of the pocket of his jeans and sat down on the chair, putting the note on the table. Here's what I noticed earlier. I've written it all down in a list. Aziraphale leaned over his shoulder and read. Tomatoes, peppers, aubergines. Too much sun. Fence? Squashes plagued. Get rid. Trellis grapes. Cover lettuce. Sort out herbs. Beans. Beans? Just think you should plant some. Useful crop. Runner beans or broad beans. Grows fast. Yields well. Sturdy. Potatoes too. I can't believe you haven't got any. Crowley tapped the bottom of the list where the word potatoes was underscored twice. The writing continued on the other side of the paper. 
apparently the garden was in quite a state. I'll leave this with you then. Just get on with it, okay? It's already April. He got up from the chair and nodded, his face set, jaw tense. Thank you for everything. And sorry about the stalking. I really didn't mean to. But you're right. You've got an amazing life, Fuzzy Raphael. And I guess I just wanted some piece of it. But it's not fair. You've worked hard for it. And it's not for me to take. The way he was just about holding it together chipped at Hazeraphel's heart and heart just a little. Where will you go? The hotel for another night. Then continue up north tomorrow. They looked up at the road where a skinny man wearing a backpack identical to Crowley's had just turned the corner. Another client? I expect so. Busiest time of the year, this. Well then, don't let me keep you. Crowley swallowed hard. He held out a trembling hand and Taziraphel shook it. His own throat had tightened too much to say anything. Then Crowley got on his bike and rode away nodding at the man as he passed him before he disappeared towards Tadfield Manor. Aziraphale blinked back tears as he watched him leave. He picked up the gardening to-do list from the table, stuffed it into his pocket and took a moment to compose himself before he turned back around to smile at the man who was now walking down the path to the van pushing his bicycle over the uneven ground. The rest of the day went much as the previous one. Aziraphale barely had time for a cup of tea and a reading break between clients. But it was good. More gold in the jar, more savings to be squirreled away for the summer. He locked the van before it started to get dark ate his dinner and lamented his lack of chocolate. It was a mild night, and outside the demons groaned and wheezed as they shambled across the countryside. Aziraphale was in bed and halfway through Frankenstein when he realized his mistake. The next morning, Aziraphale burst through the front door of Tadfield Manor Hotel, nearly tripping on the step. He stumbled up to reception, sucking in deep breaths. Even now, the air in this place still tasted like home. One of Tracy's boys was sitting behind the desk. Eric read the name badge pinned to his faded grey shirt. Crowley, Aziraphale panted. Is he still here? He said. The boy jumped up, alarmed. Blimey, are you okay? I, I can get Tracy for you. Here, sit down. He tried to pull Aziraphale towards his own chair, but he resisted. 
No, not Tracy. Crowley, guest here, red hair, backpack. Ah, yes, he hasn't checked out yet. Think he might be out in the garden, actually. Of course, because apparently that was just where one found him. With a grateful nod at Eric, Aziraphale marched through the lobby and into the breakfast room. The French windows stood open, letting in the morning breeze, and through them he saw him. Crowley. He was still here, kneeling on the ground, studying a row of seedlings that grew in the vegetable bed. On quiet feet, Aziraphale walked out onto the terrace and down the stone steps until he was right behind him. Writing up another list? Crowley jumped to his feet at the sound of his voice. He turned around and looked at him, surprise, joy and perhaps a slight note of terror in his beautiful eyes. Aziraphale, what are you doing here? Did I forget something yesterday? I did pay, right? <laughs> you paid and you didn't forget anything. <sighs> The relief of finding him still here made Aziraphale laugh, before he winced and rested a hand on his hip to alleviate the stabbing pain in his side. Can we sit down somewhere? I'm afraid I ran quite a bit of the way here and I'm simply not used to it. Crowley offered him his arm as if he were an elderly lady in need of assistance and Aziraphale took it, entirely without shame. Meanwhile, an actual sixty-year-old lady, though Aziraphale wouldn't dare call her elderly, watched through one of the upstairs windows, observing them with keen eyes. Aziraphale waved at her. Crowley followed his gaze. Tracy said you're a friend of hers. Yes, we moved up here together 13 years ago. He didn't have to say after the outbreak. That was implied. From London. I was young and penniless and very much under her protection. I worked for her for quite a while here at the hotel. They sat on the bench facing an old stone fountain that hadn't spewed water in decades. It was covered in soft green moss which made it look strangely alive. Crowley slouched on the seat with both arms sprawled across the back and his legs nearly slipping off. Aziraphale sat primly on the rightmost quarter of it that was free. I can't really picture you working here, cleaning rooms or whatever. Aziraphale huffed. <laughs> I worked for Tracy doing exactly what I do now, only here. Very convenient for the clients. Came to my room for a bit of fun, then straight down to dinner and a good night's sleep before setting off on the road again. Crowley kept his gaze fixed on the fountain. Yeah, makes sense. 
What happened then? How come you're in the van now? I wanted my own space, my own property, no matter how small, and my own business. So after years of living here and working here, I took my savings and bought the caravan. The woman who lived there before decided to try her luck up in Scotland. Crowley turned his head slightly, the sharp relief of his jawline softened by a frown. Not to be rude or anything, but why are you here? I was just about to pack up my things and leave. Nice, cool day today. Might make it to Loughborough before sunset if I don't take too many breaks. Aziraphel took a deep breath gathered all his courage. I don't want you to go to Loughborough. I want you to stay with me, do my garden and all. Oh! Crowley pulled himself upright and gaped at him. Why? I am alone and miserable, he thought. The creature himself had said it as if Mary Shelley had spoken straight to him. You're right, I'm a terrible gardener, he said instead. And you're trustworthy, I think. I could certainly do worse than have your help this summer. Crowley was still tense, sitting too straight, looking at Aziraphale with his mouth pulled to a thin line. Oh dear, he hoped it wasn't too late. He continued speaking very fast, blurting out the words he had formed in his mind and memorized on his two-hour walk to the hotel. I offer you shelter in my caravan in exchange for your work in the garden. Anything that grows there, we'll share. You're welcome to use the few amenities I have. The hop, the toilet. The books, if you're careful with them. I won't charge rent, but I'll expect you to chip in for gas and other household expenses, and you are to stay outside while I work during the day and not get in the way of my clients. Is that understood? Crowley swallowed hard and nodded. And this is a time-limited arrangement, Aziraphale added. From now until the end of the summer. Then I want you out again. Crowley nodded again, relaxing a little into the back of the bench. That's fine. I want to build a house anyway. A house? Uh, or a hut, a cottage, whatever. Find a plot of land nearby, perhaps on the other side of the stream, and make myself a home. Will you be able to do that in five months? Maybe. I'll at least be able to build something secure enough for me to sleep in and keep the demons out at night. So we have a deal? A very conditional deal? No rent, share food and shelter, out by October, Crowley summarized. Oh, and no sex. Right. That's non-negotiable, not even if you pay. Okay. 
Aziraphale could tell Crowley was desperate to ask why, but thought his situation too precarious. That was fine. He offered the explanation willingly. I need to be able to switch off from work in the evenings. And I can't do that if I see you as a client. You understand that, right? Crowley swallowed. Sure. Don't take it personally. I enjoyed both times with you very much. You don't have to say that. It's the truth. But if we're going to be, well, living together, I suppose, I'd rather have you there as a friend. Yep, no problem. Can do, friend. Then we have an arrangement. Crowley looked at him for a moment, and Aziraphale thought he might decline, or argue, or simply get up and walk away. But he didn't. He nodded, and solemnly they shook hands. (laughs) 